This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey guys, Pastor Rich here, and so glad that you're joining us online again. I understand this has been a season of no public services, and some of you might be a little weary about that, but you know, I'm just convinced that God is on the throne. God is in control. God is moving. And even right now, as you're sitting in your in your living room or your bedroom or wherever you might be find yourself right now watching this, or maybe you're just watching it not on Sunday morning, but some other time during the week or in the evening, um, just know that God is a big God and he is able to, to speak to you wherever you are. And I'm convinced that right now he wants to speak to you. He wants to challenge you. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to know that COVID-19 didn't catch him by surprise. He wants you to know that all of the tensions that are, that are in the atmosphere regarding racial tensions and all those things, that didn't catch him by surprise. He's at work. He's moving. He's changing our hearts. He's drawing us closer to him. And so if you're listening right now, I would just encourage you to press into God, press into the Holy Spirit. Also, I want to thank you so much for your generosity. Those of you that are part of Life Church, you call this your church home. You've been incredibly generous. Uh, you've been giving online. You've been giving, uh, by some, some people have been dropping off a check here at the church. They've been mailing checks in. And it's, it's allowed us to continue to stay on mission. It's allowed us to continue doing the things. That, and ha- that's something that's actually been stirring in my heart recently is this idea of mission. You know, as we've been pondering, when are we going to start services back up again, which is soon, by the way. As we've been pondering this, uh, the, the, the reason why, the rationale why that has been surfacing inside of me is not because the doctors say it's okay, not because people are anxious to get back, but because we as a church are still on mission. The mission has not changed for Life Church. We are still called to reach this world for Jesus Christ. And because that is true, we're excited. We're excited about with the, the future of Life Church. And thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you so much for giving generously. Thank you so much for tithing. Thank you so much for, for giving to Kingdom Builders. And if you've never given before, you can start right now. You can go to those links on, our, on, our, on this YouTube page or wherever you're at right now. You can go to those links and you can give online. Uh, you can also mail it into to our address. But thank you so much. You are incredible. I, th- I just so appreciate how generous you have been. Amen. So we've been in this series, uh, Follow Me. In fact, we started the series two weeks ago, and then we had kind of a Pastor Chris preach last week about demasking, and you saw that. And then we're going to continue on in the series of Follow Me. And in this series, when we started it off, we started with this challenge. The challenge was for you and I to stay connected to the vine, stay connected to Jesus. We use this little slogan as a way to remind, us, uh, remind ourselves of how we are to, to be connected to the, branch, to, the, to the vine. That is, be the branch. And so the challenge two weeks ago was, be the branch. Be the branch. In other words, a branch that is alive, that is bearing fruit, is connected to the vine. And if it's connected to the vine, nutrients is flowing and, and, and nourishment is flowing and, and fruit is being provided. If you stay connected to the vine, you will bear fruit, the Bible says. And so be the branch. Don't be the stick like we talked about. Don't be that fake thing, you know, that, that pretends to be alive, that has all these plastic fruit tied to it. In fact, I am so convinced of this that we can get so many things right. We might get our theology right. We might get our doctrines right. We might 
you know, come up with a solution for racism and come up with a solution for, for, for COVID-19. But if we get this one wrong, we get it all wrong. We need to stay connected to the vine. We need to be the branch. Today, I want to challenge you with yet another saying that I find equally important as stay connected to the vine. And it goes like this, catch the wind. Catch the wind. I'm going to tease that out a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. But wind is one of those, th- those things, one of the only things that we understand is non-physical and yet tangible at the same time. We can't see it. We can't hold it. But we don't deny its existence, right? Why? Well, because you can feel it. Because you can see the effects of wind. Wind is one of those things that, that is mysterious and yet so real in our life and in our experiences. We've all experienced the gentle breeze of, of the wind blowing and cooling our skin in, in the hot of the day. We've also experienced those sudden gusts of wind that just are so violent, so powerful, that may even knock us down. So wind is one of those things. You can't package it up. You can't carry it around. But you know it's real. It's real. Sometimes it whispers. Sometimes the wind whispers. Sometimes it's as loud as a freight train. Sometimes the wind is so gentle that even it moves just a little pebble of sand. And sometimes it's so violent that buildings are toppled over. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the church in its infancy. And Jesus, let me give you a little bit of backstory. Jesus has been crucified and and, and he's, he's buried for three days. He's in the grave. The disciples have been scattered. They don't know what's going on. They're not sure what's next. They know that he told them that, you know, things would be different, but they're just not, they're terrified. And so after three days, Jesus comes back to life again, and he spends the next 40 days, like, connecting with just over 500 people saw Jesus during this 40-day period after the resurrection, I imagine these disciples begin to find hope again. I imagine these disciples begin to feel like, hey, this is the restoration of God's kingdom here on earth. I imagine that that's what they were thinking. But then Jesus drops the bomb on them. He says, hey, guys, I've got to go. I've got to go back to my father. But don't worry, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. And so for 10 days, we find after Jesus has ascended into heaven, for 10 days, these disciples, 120 of them, are praying in this upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, we know that as a, as a point of history, we understand as a point of history, but I sometimes wonder, what were they thinking? You know, after Jesus was ascended into heaven and he left, and they were in day three of prayer, you know, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, I wonder if they were saying to themselves, wow, Jesus is gone, and... Everything still looks the same. I still go out into the marketplace and the Roman soldiers are still there. I mean, where's the kingdom of God? Where is it? How is it going to happen? And so maybe they were a little bit puzzled about the the coming of the Holy Spirit. And they were wondering, what's going to change? How is it going to change? And sometimes I wonder, let me just a little deviate from my message right now. Sometimes I wonder if that's how we're feeling right now through this whole COVID season. Everything has been turned upside down, and now so many of us are just in our homes. We're not really connecting with other people very much. Maybe you're feeling weary and just like, okay, Lord, when is this going to happen again? When are we going to be able to go back to normal again? 
the cool thing about this story is that something remarkable happened. The Holy Spirit came. Now, while they were praying for the Holy Spirit, how would they know that the Holy Spirit came? How would they know that? I mean, would the Holy Spirit come and knock on the door and say, hey, guys, by the way, I'm the Holy Spirit? Is that what would happen? Well, in Acts chapter 2, we see what actually happened. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Notice the use of the word wind here. Like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then in verse 4, it says, and everyone present. Okay, so this mighty windstorm blows through, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want you to notice here in this text, it says the sound was like that of a mighty windstorm. In other words, this is metaphorical language. It's language that helps us understand the Holy Spirit. It's language that helps us understand some things sometimes that are pretty hard to understand. Helps us explain things that sometimes feel unexplainable. And so God does this to help us understand who he is, right? Throughout the Old Old Testament, he uses metaphorical language. He calls himself a shepherd. He calls himself a rock. He calls himself a king. These are things that he, words that he uses so that we can better understand who he is. He doesn't want to remain unknown from us. That's why he uses metaphorical language. So he uses his metaphor so that we can look through it to help understand who he is and who the Holy Spirit is. And that's what we have here with the Holy Spirit. He's described as wind. Wind. In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is the word ruach. In the New Testament, the word, the Hebrew word for spirit in the Old Testament is ruach. The the Greek word in the New Testament for spirit is the word pneuma. Both of these words have at their root this idea of wind or breath of air. So why is wind used as an image for the Holy Spirit? to help us understand the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is when, then as a church, we must answer the question, what's my relationship? What's your relationship to the wind? What's my relationship? What's your relationship to the wind? I mean, are we gonna hide behind big buildings and closed doors, behind traditions and best practices and strategic plans? Or will we place our trust in the wind. I mean, you can't control the wind. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. And so I think, as I think about life church and in the days to come and in the years to come, I want us to be a church that is catching the wind. I want us to be a church that's raising its sails and catching the wind. We want that to be the value that we live by. The wind is what moves us. It's what directs us. The wind can't be controlled. It can't be contained, but it's moving us. We're being led by the Holy Spirit. We're being led by the wind. Sometimes the wind changes direction suddenly, and I want us as a church to be okay with that. I want us as a church to be okay with, okay, God, you want us to go here? Okay, we're going to go there. God, you want us to do this? Yes, God, we're going to do that. I want us to be okay with it. We want to catch the wind. You know, when I think about Life Church, I think of Life Church as like a sailboat, for example. You know what a sailboat is? I have an image of it right here, actually. It's a sailboat. 
You see the sails lifted. <clears throat> you know, a sailboat, a sailboat with the sails down is useless. A sailboat with no wind blowing is useless. So as a church, I want us to be like this sailboat where we raise the sails and we let the wind move us. I want to challenge you to leave this land life behind, leave the, the harbor behind, and become a crew, a crew member of this sailboat we call Life Church. Not a passenger, because it's a different story for a passenger. See, a crew member is a person who, is, who jumps on board and gets his hands dirty and starts becoming involved in what the mission and vision of this, of this thing is all about. You find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul actually talks about this. He uses the metaphor of the human body to talk about what the church looks like. <clears throat> in verse 12, <clears throat> in verse 12, he says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So the human body, this is, this is physiology, right? We, we are made up of all kinds of parts, eyes, ears, nose, you know, different parts. The human body is made up of many parts, but it makes up one body. It's not like many bodies, it's one body. So it is with the body of Christ. So it is with you and me, he says. He goes on. We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, that's the spirit, the wind we're talking about, and we all share the same spirit. We are all a part of this body. In other words, what he's talking about here is that we are many parts in this one body. We are all dependent upon each other. And when one member of this body is not doing its part, the rest of the body suffers. A, a year ago, I had this kidney injury. And it was my kidney that was not acting right. But man, it was affecting every aspect of my body. My back was hurting. I was feeling nauseated. I was feeling lightheaded. I even had some blurry vision a couple, a couple days. But it was because my kidney was not doing its part. When, our, when one part of our body's not doing its part, the rest of the body suffers. And so when somebody jumps on this ship we call Life Church as just a passenger, it affects us all. So in this series, we've, been, we've, we've called it Follow Me. And we're inviting everyone who's listening to be followers of Jesus Christ. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we're not meant to be passengers in this journey. We're meant to be crew members. We're not meant to be on a cruise ship just enjoying life. We're meant to be on a sailboat, working, raising the sails, making an impact in the world that we live in. In fact, you cannot make an impact in the world that you live in if you're just a, a passenger on this thing. There's a sailing term that you've probably heard of and you're probably familiar with. It's the word shorthanded. Shorthanded, you know, oftentimes, you know, we use it like to describe a situation where we don't have enough help and so we invite people. We need people to come in because there's work to be done, but we, don't have, we have more work than we have people to get this work done. But the etymology of this word actually comes from, not, from nautical terminology. That when there was not enough crew members on a ship particularly a, sail, a ship of sails, when there was not enough crew members on a ship, they would say they were short-handed. And while we, as, we move as one crew, you know, and we're, and we're all working for this one objective to make this boat sail, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different uh, tasks, uh, 
things that people have to do on the sailboat. A lot of different responsibilities that need to be done, different stations that need to be manned. And it requires each and every one of us doing our part, doing what we have to do to, to, to get this sailboat to, to move. Another nautical term that I might throw at you is this all hands on deck. You've heard of that probably. I'm sure you've heard of that. <clears throat> it means that every member of the crew is needed. It means that now is not the time to sit back and relax. Now is not the time to just to, to, to take a nap. All of us have to jump on board. All of us have to be at, at our stations ready to work. So right now, as you're watching this, I want to say to you as clearly as I can possibly say to you, in the, in, the, in the moments that we're living in for Life Church, this is an all-hands-on-deck moment for Life Church. If you're watching right now and you're saying, man, I, I, you know, what's church going to look like in the future? What's, you know, we're doing this whole online thing. Here's what I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit's moving. The Holy Spirit's calling you right now to be involved, to be a part of accomplishing His purposes in this world. It's not a time to just be talking about sailing. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. It's a time to gear up, to be on deck and ready to go. You know, we talk about things here at Life Church like go after something so big, it's destined to fail unless God intervenes. We use words like mission and destiny and impact to speak of who we are as a church. So make no mistake about it. We believe that, that when all hands are on deck, when you who are listening right now which I wish you were here sitting in this auditorium, but you who are listening right now, when you are all hands on deck, when you are at the ready, when you're saying, say, what's next? Holy Spirit, what do we need to do next? When we are in that posture, we will change the world. This church, Life Church, can change the world. The, 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 the energy of this church, the, the, the individuals of this church, when they're all working to, towards that goal, Big things can happen. God can do big things in this world when we're all engaged. You know, if the church, if the church is a sailboat, then I would say that too often the sailboat never really leaves the harbor. Like we're just kind of in the harbor. When we're in the harbor, we're in control. In the harbor, you know, we understand our circumstance. In the harbor, everything is pretty much predictable. It's familiar to us, right? There's not a lot of room for mistakes in the harbor. There's not a lot of room for failure in the harbor because it's all easy. But you need to understand something. There's, in the harbor, there's not a lot of freedom either. There's not a lot of adventure either in the harbor. In the harbor, the sails never really come up. And we're not meant for that, guys. Life Church, we're a sailboat. We're meant to be on an adventure with God in the open seas with our sails lifted, being, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into the future. In the harbor, you might trolley around a little bit. You might even be able to say to yourself, hey, I was on a sailboat, but you weren't really sailing. <clears throat> a sailboat was not made for the harbor. You're not really sailing until you raise the sails and say, Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, send us wherever you want us to go. Now, over the years, we've experienced many amazing things here at Life Church. Over the years, I've seen this church go from just a handful of people to over 800, 900 people in attendance. I've been humbled by that. I mean, I've been, I've been so moved by it. But it, and it. And it would be easy. We've been, and we're 15 years in existence. It'd be easy for us to say, you know, we've arrived. We've made it. 
Our sailing days are over. You know, we can sit back safely in the harbor and reminisce about the good old days of when we were young and energetic and, and taking out to sea. It'd be easy for us to believe that maybe the winds have died down and we've kind of arrived to, where, to our destination. But don't you believe that for a second? In fact, I believe this whole COVID thing has cut, got me in this moment where I'm thinking that this is just the beginning for Life Church. That we're just beginning to actually get our second wind to what God really wants to do, that the Holy Spirit is at work. He's just getting started. And whatever COVID is doing, whatever the atmosphere of, of racial tensions are, God, you have a great work ahead of us as we raise the sails and we catch the wind. It might be a little bit risky. It is. It's risky to, to raise the sails, to go into uncharted territories, to leave the harbor. But that's exactly what God is calling us to. Now is a time for us as a church to raise the sails and catch the wind. An example of that that we find in the Bible is a story found in Acts chapter 8. We read about a disciple named Philip who, Philip's one of the, the, the original disciples and <clears throat> And he, uh, he goes to Samaria and he preaches the gospel in Samaria and there's, you know, hundreds of people that give their life to Christ. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, I want you to go down the desert road towards Gaza. And so he makes his way towards there. And he's on, his, on this road when the Holy Spirit shows him there's a carriage that's moving by and in the carriage is this Ethiopian who is a representative of the queen of, of Ethiopia. He's coming back from, from Jerusalem. He's on his way back to Ethiopia. He's reading... He's reading from Isaiah. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. And this is what the Holy Spirit says to him. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside, along beside the carriage. <clears throat> Does that sound like a kind of weird request from the Holy Spirit? Like, hey, you see that car? Just walk alongside it. <laughs> That's exactly what the Holy Spirit tells Philip to do. Now, here's the thing. Philip doesn't question the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say to the Holy Spirit, hey, where, where are you going with this, Holy Spirit? He doesn't say things like, hey, we've never done it that way before, Holy Spirit. Why are, you, why are we doing it that way now? He doesn't say to the Holy Spirit, man, this is weird. You know, like we're out here in the middle of nowhere and there's this rich guy in a carriage and you want me to walk alongside the carriage? What's, what's, what's going on? He doesn't do any of that. Look, look, what he, look, look what it says in verse 30. Philip ran, focus on that. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? I love this. The Ethiopian invites him on to the carriage. Philip begins to basically interpret everything he's reading out of the book of Isaiah and he points the man to Jesus and he preaches the gospel to him. What I want you to catch in this story is this idea that Philip ran over he ran over. When the Holy Spirit spoke, he responded. There's this idea of responsiveness. And the story ends with Philip baptizing this man, this Ethiopian, in a pool of water. And he gives his life to Christ. <clears throat> he didn't wait. When the Spirit said, hey, do this, he didn't step back and question it. He didn't filter it through a bunch of other things. He responded immediately. He ran and did exactly what the Holy Spirit was calling him to do. And I want that to be our commitment as a church, that when the wind starts to blow, we immediately, we don't wait, we don't hesitate, we don't take the temperature of everybody else out there, we immediately respond by raising the sails 
and say, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. I want each and every one of us to be responsive to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Here's a couple ways that we can actually, we can actually, practical ways that we can actually do this personally in our own life. And when we do this personally in our own life, here's the deal. It, it affects us corporately, corporately. When every person who calls Life Church their home church says, Holy Spirit, here I am. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Believe me, it affects each and every one of us, but then it begins to affect us all as a body. First thing you can do is we need to treat the Holy Spirit as a person. We need to treat the Holy Spirit as a person. I think sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit like he's, like he's a what rather than a who. Like he's, you know, he's an it rather than a he. We, we, we relate to the Holy Spirit like a fo- as a force rather than a friend. Here's what I've discovered in my own life long time ago. That the more I relate to the Holy Spirit as a person, meaning the more I understand the Holy Spirit as a person, that, that I can grieve the Holy Spirit, that when I say or do something that makes the Holy Spirit sad, or that maybe I have some funny moment and, and I can laugh, the Holy Spirit laughs with me, or the Holy Spirit is overjoyed when I'm so moved by God and responsive to God, and I recognize that the Holy Spirit is relating to me personally, the more I recognize the Holy Spirit as a person, the more the Holy Spirit moves and acts and works in my life, the more responsive I become to the Holy Spirit, the more powerfully I experience the Holy Spirit in my life. Second thing that we can do is we can commit to keep in step. There's a typo. Commit to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, not keep in the step with the Holy Spirit, just so you know that. (laughs) Commit to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter five. He says this, walk by the Spirit. That word walk there in the Greek is this idea of a continuous action. So what he means is like keep walking by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So this idea of keeping pace with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit's walking, and imagine it this way. The Holy Spirit's walking, and we're walking alongside. We're, he takes one step, we take one step. He takes another step, we take another step. That's the idea behind this, that we're keeping pace with the Holy Spirit. This speaks about our responsiveness. It speaks about our, our willingness to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was a, uh, a situation that happened to me when I was pastoring in a little town called Leesville, Louisiana. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I would drive this normal route. I would drive to the church in the mornings and I'd pass this Circle K gas station. And I'd always stop at the Circle K gas station, grab a cup of coffee or a donut, or sometimes I'd get a, a, a Diet Dr. Pepper and some Starburst or something like that, you know? And I'd stop there. So this one particular day, I stopped at this, uh, at this gas station and I grabbed the Dr. Pepper and I grabbed some Starburst. And I'm standing in line to check out when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, hey, that girl behind the counter, her name was Amber. She had a little name badge on. That girl behind the counter, I want you to tell her that I love her. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but this is what I did. I began to argue with the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you're like, ah, that's the devil. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, no, I'm not the devil. I'm the Holy Spirit telling you to do something because we don't really want to do it, right? So I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit. I'm saying things like, you know, I'm trying to be defensive for her. Like, yes, yeah, it's going to embarrass her, Lord. I shouldn't do this, you know? Or, 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 you know, what about these other people? You know, these other people are going to be embarrassed. Well, really, all along, I was the one who's going to feel embarrassed 
And so I'm inching up to the, to the counter to pay for my stuff, and I get to, to the counter, I put it all down, and I, I know, I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit shouting in the back of my, tell her that I love her, you know? And I put it all down, and she told me it was, I don't know, $3 and whatever, and I, I gave her the money, and I just walked out, didn't do it. I got in my car, and I started driving down the road, and I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, it's happened to me many times, where the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want you to do something, and I, and I was like, I didn't do it. And it's like, you, you know, like, you ever had like your wife give you the cold shoulder? Like you, you said something you shouldn't have said. And then instead of her fighting back with you, she just kind of goes silent and just gives you the cold shoulder. You know that terrible feeling? Uh, maybe it's not happened to you, it's happened to me. Well, it was like the Holy Spirit was giving me the cold shoulder. And I just was feeling that, like I should have done something, I didn't do it. So I'm driving down, I drove about two blocks and finally I just turned around and came back up the highway to the Circle K and I walked in. And as I'm walking in, I'm I'm just committed. I'm gonna tell her, God told me to tell you that Jesus loves you. Um, I walk in, I notice she's no longer behind the the counter. And so this is immediately with the thought that, oh Lord, you were just testing me. You ever... Do that? Ever do that? Yeah, you're just testing me, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't have to do the embarrassing thing. You were just testing to see if I was willing to do the embarrassing thing. And so I'm about to turn around when suddenly she walks through these double doors out of the, like, the refrigerated area of the, of the Circle K. And I knew I had to say something. So I walked up to Amber. And I said, hey, Amber, I, it's gonna, I know it's going to sound really weird, but while I was standing in line earlier, um, I felt like God told me to tell you something is that okay if I tell you? And, I, and she just kind of nodded. And I said, um, he told me to tell you that, that Jesus loves you. And, you know, those, that's simple words. People say that all the time, right? But for that moment, it was a Holy Spirit moment. For that moment, it was power. It was wind blowing through that store. Because she looked at me and her eyes welled up with tears and suddenly tears began to flow down her cheeks. And she just started sobbing in the store. And I'm, I'm, I'm standing there awkwardly because I don't really know her. I didn't feel like I could put my arm around her or anything like that. So I'm just standing there like talking to her, you know. And she told me her grandmother's a Christian. Her grandma's been praying for her that she's, she's walked away from God for the last five years of her life. And uh, that she, she just feels like God is calling her back. And her grandmother incidentally was in the, in the hospital in ICU at that very moment and had told her, asking her, Amber, you need to give your life back to Jesus. What's ironic about all that is that my wife was actually the nurse taking care of this grandmother in the hospital. And Amber did give her life back to Christ. Walking in step with the Spirit. Walking in step with the Spirit. Walking in step with the Spirit. That's what you and I are called to, to to pace ourselves with the Spirit. Third thing we could do is we could pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what these early disciples were doing. When they were in that upper room, they were praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me clarify this metaphor with with you real quick because I don't want you to miss this. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is the sail, okay? Hear me on this. It's too easy for us to treat the Holy Spirit like a tool in our hands, like, I, I want this to happen. I have purposes. I have designs. I have plans. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release the sail of the Holy Spirit. That's not, that's not what's, what I'm talking about here. That's not the metaphor here. We are the sail. We are the tool in the Holy Spirit's hand. He is the wind. And when we respond, when we raise the sail, say, God, here I am. 
fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I want to walk in pace with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are a friend to me. You're not just a force in my life. When I operate this way, when I walk this way, we become tools in the hands of God that changes this world. We make ourselves, ourselves available to him to accomplish his purposes. I think the issue is that sometimes we don't really see ourselves on a sailboat, but rather we see ourselves on a yacht. There's very different dynamics between a sailboat and a yacht. You can't be a passenger on a sailboat very easily because before long they'll be saying, hey, you need to, you need to grab this ca- cable. You need, to, you need to hoist this sail. You need to grab this rudder. But on a yacht, it's a co- totally different experience. It's about comfort and convenience. We're more concerned about amenities and entertainment. We're, we're sitting back and being served, but that's not what the church is. The church is not a yacht. The church is a sailboat, and it's all hands on deck, where everybody's a part of making this mission happen. It's not just pastors. We're not just, the pastors are not the only crew members. All of us are on this crew. All of us are making the mission of God happen in our lives and in this world. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon that early church, it speaks of this mighty rushing wind. This mighty rushing wind, a violent rushing wind that just blows through them. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Another nautical term, let me throw at you, is this word windfall. Now, this word is used in many different contexts. It means a lot of different things. But in the sailing world, the word windfall is this, this powerful and sudden, unexpected gust of wind that comes and fills the sails. It's a word that describes what happened in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. That they were all there, their hand, I can just get this mental picture of them in that upper room praying. Their hands are out. Imagine these hands are like sails. They're just out saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And then in a metaphorical way, it blows through like wind. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. This windfall happens in that upper room. And these days, I find that this word's showing up a lot in my prayer times as well. I find myself often praying, God, give us a windfall here at Life Church. Blow through this place, fill our hearts, fill our lives, God. We need you to move in lives right now. As I said earlier, we are so concerned about keeping people physically safe, but there are people who are dying spiritually. Holy Spirit, my prayer has been, Holy Spirit, blow through their lives, blow through their lives, blow through their lives, because you're the giver of life. You're the one that can bring healing. You're the one that can bring restoration. You're the one that can change everything. So Holy Spirit, blow, windfall, come into this place. So my commitment to you is that as a pastor of this church and as a church, that we're not gonna play it safe. We're not gonna play it safe. We're not gonna stay in the harbor. We're not gonna run on that little trolley motor around the harbor. We're gonna hoist the sails. And we're saying, God, wherever you lead us, whatever you want to do with us, God, here we are. Take us, move us. We're dependent upon you. We're dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. I like what A.W. Tozer says about this very dynamic, the Holy Spirit and the church. He says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would go, what, what, what we would do, what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. In other words, and before we go to the next passage, in other words, if, if the Holy Spirit 
would just not be present. If the wind was not blowing, the church as we are right now, 95% of what we do would just go on. Our programs, our classes, our activities, even our benevolences, all these things would just go on. Nothing would really change. He goes on. If the Holy Spirit had withdrawn from the New Testament church, that's the church that we're talking about here in Acts chapter 2, 95% of what they did would stop. And everybody would know the difference. Because they were so dependent upon the Holy Spirit. They were so dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And my fear is that for many of us, if the wind were to stop blowing, we wouldn't even notice. So as a church, as a church, we're going to embrace this windfall. The wind blows where it wants. You can't grab it. You can't package it up, but you can feel it. You can't see it, but you, feel, you can see its effects, right? And that's the way it should be with, with us as a church. In our individual lives and in our corporate life, that the effects of the wind would be clear in our lives. People would see the effects. They may not, they may not see the Holy Spirit, but they should, they should be able to see the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in our lives, that the Holy Spirit makes in our cities, that the Holy Spirit makes in our relationships, in our personalities. Our marriages should be an example and a reflection of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how our marriages are improving. The breaking of addictions in our life would be the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't see the Holy Spirit, but we see the effects of the Holy Spirit. We hear this all the time from guests who come through the Life Church. I mean, I have dozens and dozens of people I've talked to that when they walk through these doors, they say things like, man, I don't know what it is, but I feel something here. Somebody else would say, I don't know what it is, but, but when I walked in, I sat down and the music started playing and the pastor was preaching. I just cried through the whole thing. You know what that is? That's the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing. That's what I want, guys. <clears throat> so today I want to ask you to, to do something intentional. If we were meeting in public right now, this is what I would do. I would ask, if you're, if you're ready to hoist a sail, if you're ready to say, God, let me be a part of what you're doing in this world, I would have asked you to stand right where you're at. Because I would want you to stand as a show to other people around you that you're committed that you're committed to being filled with the Holy Spirit, that you're committed to surrendering completely to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. But since we can't do that, maybe what you can do is you can write in the comments, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can write in the comments, I'm lifting the sail. I'm raising the sail. I'm raising the sail. When come, come Holy Spirit, whatever it is, whatever comment, just let us know your commitment to say, God, I want to be led by you, Holy Spirit. I want you to blow through me and, and lead me into places that even might be scary, uncertain, uncharted territories, but God, I want you to blow through this. Or you can email us to info at Life Church, whatever it is, but I will raise the sails. And so as you write those words, what you're expressing is your commitment to not be a land lover, to not be a harbor dweller. You're making a commitment to be a part of this crew that we call, of this, of this sailboat that we call Life Church. You're committing yourself to say, God, use me in whatever way you want to make a difference in this world. Holy Spirit, will you lead me? Will you guide me? My prayer is that Life Church would become an army 
of spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ. The, the series title is Follow Me. Follow Me. And so my prayer is, <laughs> is that we would do exactly that. That when the Holy Spirit begins to speak and call and say, hey, follow me, we would say, yes, here we are. It's scary. It's risky. But we're going to do it. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about how you relate to your wife or your husband in your relationship. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about how you relate to your children. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about you're a single person, about how you, how you do your dating life. And all we want you to do is simply say, okay, Lord, I will follow you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so here's the deal. God is raising up an army of spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ. Will you be one of them? Will you raise the sails and say, wind blow through me? Wind blow through me. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for who you are and for what you're doing in this world right now. Father, I pray that we as a church would never bind the Holy Spirit with this red tape of an organization. That we would never restrict the Holy Spirit to the boundaries of our own comfort zones. That we would never tie up the Holy Spirit with our traditions and the things that we do here as tradition. That we may never limit the Holy Spirit with our personal preferences, God. Lord, may we never stifle the Holy Spirit with our self-help approach to life. May we never confine the Holy Spirit to this building we call a church. Father, we stand and we say, God, we want a windfall. We want a windfall. Father, blow through us right now. Right now as I'm praying and you're, and you're in your room praying, God, will you, just, will you just lift your hand towards the screen and say, blow through me, Holy Spirit. Blow through me, Holy Spirit. Blow through me, Holy Spirit. I want to be responsive to your leading. I don't want to do life anymore the way I've been doing life in my own way. God, I want to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. So right now, Lord, will you fill us all anew? Will you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Will you help us to keep in step with your Spirit? Will you teach us to relate to you as a person and not as an object? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys, and I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to blow through this place. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.